And now it's time for the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, featuring health news, opinion, and insight from Wesley Chapel's concierge medicine physician, Dr. Tommy McElroy. And thank you for joining us today. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. I'm Dr. Tommy McElroy. I'm a concierge medicine physician here in Wesley Chapel, Florida. And I'm very pleased to have today with me uh, Dr. Robert Steves, who is with uh, he has a clinic called the Town Doctor. Dr. Steves, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you for having me. And uh, I came across your information when I saw an article about um, that you had started a new practice. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. Uh, so previous to starting this practice, I was uh, employed with Community Health Systems that's based out of Franklin, Tennessee here. And um, they let me go uh, without cause. And uh, I had been thinking about doing this type of medicine, direct primary care, for some time. Um, and so in the end of December, when I was let go, we decided to move forward uh, with this type of uh, model of family medicine. And why'd they let you go? Well, I, I think the reason, although I've never really um, got a reason from them, um, was because we started advocating for uh, patient safety, patient care. Um, our staff was very lean, and uh, in traditional family practice, um, the paperwork has been extraordinary in the last three to five years uh, with needing prior authorizations, referrals, um, coordinating care. <clears throat> and to be able to do that when you're seeing 35 or 40 patients a day, you have to have the staff to accommodate that. And I approached the hospital administrator a number of times to fill that void and basically came right out and said that, you know, we can't give you what you need um, for what you're trying to do, you know, with your patients. Um, so in November of this year, I negotiated and with the, the corporate folks and said, you know, I'm willing to purchase the practice from you to keep patient care um, the focus and to, you know, continue to support our, the local hospital. <clears throat> so, uh, the rebuttal to that was, uh, my termination, uh, the following oh month in, in December. So, and they didn't really give you a reason why. Yeah. So the, the legal term is a no cause termination, um, okay. which is their right in the, in the, the work contract because they did that. Um, I was also given a 90-day severance um, package, and the non-compete clause, a 10-mile non-compete, uh, was non-enforceable at that point. Because of the no cause. Because of the no cause. So that was <clears throat> truly a blessing in, in disguise. It allowed us to have 90 days of income, be able to um, have time to, to plan this new practice, um, and we were up and running in under 60 days. And uh, where is your practice located? We're right outside Nashville, Tennessee, uh, in a small community called Lebanon. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, so it's a, a community that is mainly blue-collar workers and um, farmers. Uh, but our community is growing um, here. And when I left practice, we estimate that we had probably 4,000 patient panel. Um and when this hit the news and the local media, of course, my patients um, rose up in arms uh, mm -hmm. over this. And they've been very supportive 
um, to get us back here into practice. And uh, have you always have you lived in Tennessee your whole life, or where are you from originally? Originally from upstate New York, Syracuse area. And where'd you do your residency in medical school and all that? So medical school I did at St. George's University. Mm-hmm. Did my residency um, at St. Joseph's Hospital in Syracuse, New York. Okay. Uh, and we're this this asked Dr. Tommy show, and we're on with Dr. Robert Steves. And his practice is called the Town Doctor, which is a new, successful, direct care practice in Lebanon, Tennessee. And it's the only one of its kind in, in your town, in your area? In our area, that's correct. We're the first. And mm-hmm. that's, that's so great. And uh, you know, we're going to take a little break now. We'll be right back with Dr. Robert Steves. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about how his practice has um, developed so successfully in a, in a short period of time and why he thinks that is. And we'll be right back. Echelon Health is proud to present our Ask Dr. Tommy series. We invite our patients and friends, local businesses, and you to come and meet our health panel, network, and have fun. Located on site at Echelon Health in Wesley Chapel. For more information, go to askdrtommy.com. And thank you for joining us again. This is Dr. Tommy McRoy with the Ask Dr. Tommy show, and I'm on the um, on the show here with Dr. Robert Steves, who's joining us from his hometown in Lebanon, or well, his uh, office in Lebanon, Tennessee. And the name of his practice is the Town Doctor, and he is a successful direct care doctor, and he has just started his practice. And tell us about when when did you start, and what would your expectations were, and did you do you find there's been surprises that go according to plan, or how's that been going? Well, it was really a smooth transition. Um, we were let go at the, on December 30th, and um, I thought, well, this would be a great time to take some vacation or go see the, <laughs> some things in the United States that I wanted to see. But waking up the next morning, I said, I'm unemployed, and we need to get back to work, and we've got patients that want us to get here. So um, my whole idea with direct primary care is taking care of the patient again. We wanted to move the patient back into the center of health care. What I find um, that has been happening across the United States is that insurance companies and regulators have been eating up a lot of time um, taking the doctor's time and taking the doctor's focus away from the patient again. Before, before we go on, so for you, know, you and I know exactly what that means, but tell the, yeah. the patients out there, who are, what does that mean? Because all they see is they come into the office, they right. see that they wait for an hour, right. uh, we see them for five minutes. Right. And then they're out the door, so they think maybe we don't even care about them. But tell them about why that is. Yeah, the, what's happening in, in medicine is a lot of these uh, measures that are being required from physicians um, to meet so that they can get paid. Um, Medicare um, population, of course, we haven't seen a raise um, in uh, payments to physicians in Medicare in quite some time. However, the cost of doing business in medicine continues to go up. So the mandate then, if you're in practice on a physician, is to drive volume through your office. You have to see X amount of patients, typically in the 35 to 40 per day range, to make ends meet, pay your nurses, pay your rent. Um, and so that, uh, that variable is always there. Um, and as far as regulation goes, 
uh, Medicare recently has looked at a payment model to pay, the, uh, pay physicians based on the value of care that they're giving to patients. That's very popular among the uh, healthcare academia. Yes. It, it's called, was it called value-based? Value-based you know, care, exactly. Yeah. And, so, and it's the values that they determine, them as the uh, central planners versus the patients. That's correct. I mean, yeah, it's not it's not like you and I and the patients get together and we say, hey, we'll determine value and you'll pay us. It's something that they've determined with their meetings and things that say, yeah, uh, okay, this is what we should go. We should measure and say if if you meet these requirements, then you're a good doctor, and if not, then right. maybe you don't get paid as much. Yeah, and so I, I I saw these things coming down the road, and the the thing with me is that I would never compromise my time with a patient. And when you do that, you know, you start taking a hit um, in the wallet, basically, mm -hmm. while, you know, trying to do the right thing for folks. And so that's where the direct primary care model became very appealing to me, because instead of the insurance companies funding um, the practice, your patient's membership funds the practice. And so you don't have to rely on volume um, to make ends meet. And then that opens up the doors and the opportunity to spend more time um, with the folks that are seeking care. So in our practice, if you're an initial new patient that's coming in, we, we book out an hour-long appointment for that patient so that we can sit down, we can be a good doctor, take a good history, um, you know, address any concern the patient has. And then our standard appointment times for, you know, follow-up and regular appointments are 30 minutes. So what a busy day used to be in my old practice might be 45 patients. A busy day here may be 10 to 12 patients. Um, and it's just been a, a real nice change of pace for both the patient uh, and the doctor. Why don't more doctors do what, what you do? I think because doctors are trained um, very early on that you're to be busy all the time. Um, that you're supposed to multitask and handle um, all of these things that are going on in medicine and you're to adapt and change to what the environment is. And we've been trained that the insurance companies really rule what you can do. And how do you think they've trained us to do that? Because I agree absolutely completely. Right. Is it, how, how has that been? I mean, because we get, we get trained in medical school. So how right. is the culture from what's extraneous and non-medical, how does that permeate through to, to where, how we're trained? How, what do you think that is? Well, I think, you know, it starts very early on um, in medical school. Medical students are coming out of medical school with an enormous amount of school debt. So unless you have, you know, a family with means, you're not going to come out of your residency and say, well, I'm going to borrow a million dollars to go start a practice um, and set things up, you know, so students and residents are coming out and they're taking these jobs um, with hospital systems because the hospital systems will wave a big carrot in front of them and say, look, we'll give you $100,000 toward your student loan. Um, we'll let you work on a production basis. And that production basis means the more patients you see, the more money we'll give to you. Um, and so students and residents seem to be attracted to that immediately. Well, they get into the system of insurance and they understand that it takes a lot of work and time 
to make a, a decent living and, and meet your bills and things like that as the provider. Um, it, the, it, it's an interesting um, concept, the way that insurance companies have evolved in the last few years. You know, when I write a medicine or I order a test for a patient, I'm thinking about the best test for the patient to make a diagnosis. Right. It has come down to where if there's a disagreement from the insurance company, they put their doctor that they hired on the phone who, mm -hmm. who hasn't examined the patient, who hasn't right. interviewed the patient, and they'll, and they'll argue with me as, as to why I'm ordering this test. And um, that was becoming more common themed as we got into, you know, the practice, uh, my previous practice. The mm -hmm. interesting thing is, is that, you know, if your auto insurance company suddenly said to you, um, you know, Dr. McElroy, I think that you're going to be only allowed to purchase these tires for your car. And by the way, we only want you to go to a certain gas station to get gas. You would you would mm -hmm. never fund that that insurance plan. And no, and then they would be riding in the streets, and there'd be uh, probably uh, legislators on the on the TV, right, exclaiming about how they're going to fight for your rights. Yeah. I think. and so why? But that's the opposite of what happens in medicine, correct. like you said. So why is that okay in in a, in a patient's care? Um, so that's when I I said, you know, enough's enough. Um, I took an oath for the patient. I didn't take an oath for Medicare. I didn't take an oath for Blue Cross and Blue Shield to tell me what to do so that I can be paid. I took an oath for the patient. Um, mm. And so, you know, it, it is a big, bold step because, um, you know, the, other, the, the medical field in general really relies heavily on the insurance payments coming into the practice to pay bills. And I understand that. But the system's unsustainable. Look at right here right. in Middle Tennessee, an average family um, um, premium for insurance can be four to six hundred dollars a month, and their deductibles can be anywhere from five to ten thousand dollars. Yeah, and so that's what would be formally termed as "quote unquote" catastrophic insurance. But yeah. really, uh, with the new law, it's uh, you can no longer buy catastrophic. Right. So everything's got to be built right. in. But then, like again, as you said, you're paying five hundred dollars, and you still don't have any any care. You still have you have coverage, right. but no care. Yeah, and so, you know, when we started this model, I mean, I, I've got people that are swinging hammers, laying laying brick, carpenters coming in here because they would rather pay, you know, what we charge our low membership rate per month, um, than so, than pay these huge deductibles, you know. So when people come for me to me for a physical. And we, we run their labs, um, and we have discounted labs and radiology. You know, their labs mm -hmm. cost $10.90 to run That's amazing. A, a comprehensive metabolic panel that looks at their electrolytes, their kidney function, liver function. We can take a look at their thyroid, their cholesterol, their blood counts. That same panel of tests at my former practice in the, the hospital-owned practice they would bill the insurance company $2,800 for That's the incredible. same panel. And guess who? Tell, yeah, me go one, ahead. Go ahead. Tell me one thing. This is something that you and I know, right. okay? That the, the, the cost of labs is not what it right. is, and we can get them for – that I think is a dirty little secret. Oh, yeah. And how long do you think with this my, – my opinion is with the information age now, you know, information travels at the speed of light, literally. Right. How, 
is it not going to be too long before people catch on to the fact that, uh, you know, what they're paying for medical care isn't isn't really a legitimate cost and they're going to kind of flock more towards uh, direct care type practices? Yeah, I do. I think it is. And I'm being a mouthpiece for that. Our, our story yeah. has, has gained national attention. And every time I have a media interview, um, I have the megaphone saying, look, at, we don't have to break the bank anymore to provide good mm-hmm. health care in every area, whether that's your labs, your medication, whether that's radiology tests or referrals. We can. How much does an x-ray cost your patients? Our x-rays, um, say you need a chest x-ray. Um, mm-hmm. We get the chest x-ray with the radiology fee for $40. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. You know, we tell patients, too, they come in here and we have some patients that have uh, no insurance or high deductibles. And then they're saying, well, I said, well, maybe we'll get an MRI because I do sports medicine. Right. You know, maybe we'll do an MRI of your knee. Oh, I can't afford that. I said, well, how much do you think it costs? And I said, well, I've had one before. It's $2,000. Right. And I said, well, I tell you what, it doesn't cost you that much here. You can get it for 400 mm-hmm. Uh, we we have you know contacts with the la- uh, imaging companies that will do four hundred dollars, and that includes you walking right. in, you going into this big giant uh, magnet machine, getting the images done, uh, having a, a a doctor read them, furnish me with a report, all within a couple of days, and it's going to cost about four hundred yeah. bucks. And so, you know, you're right. We there is a there's a there's a place for us out there, and I think we're going to become more in demand. Uh, me meaning uh, direct yeah. care, concierge medicine type positions. Yeah. One, go ahead. Well, I was just saying that you know I I have a meeting Monday with our state legislator um, because he understands this concept and he actually thinks that this is the answer to fix the healthcare problem I in the United it. States. Absolutely. And, you know, so we need more of us to stand up to 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 get behind this cause. And I think I think you're right, and I think uh, the challenge then is just making sure that the the oxes that are gored uh, in the process of direct care uh, becoming more prominent that you know they're not going to go right. away. So they either have to be convinced otherwise that there's other ways to make money, or you know work with us or somehow right. because you, you can't hold back. Uh, this is like trying to hold back a waterfall. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, just before we go to break, I just want to ask you one question because you talked about, you know, very passionately why you're doing this. And I agree totally that you're doing this for your patients. Right. You you know, I go home at night and I can look in the, in the mirror and know that, you know, I did everything I could for my patients today and no one restricted right. me from doing that. But yep. then I hear people tell me that what I'm doing, not directly necessarily, but, mm-hmm. you know, but they say, well, it's unethical what mm-hmm. you do because you don't take insurance. What 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 do you think about when someone – does anyone ever told you what you're doing is unethical? You know, I it's funny. It's come from some of my, you know, colleagues. And and I thought um, – well, one, one person said to me, you're committing professional suicide. And I said, mm-hmm. actually, I think that you are by staying in the system. Um, I think that if you continue to, to practice – in the traditional sense, um, you know, the insurance companies are dictating your care and you're really not dictating your patient's care anymore. And so you have to, to look at it that way. Um, we have researched our fees. Um, we have looked across the country at other models and you know what, we have made it affordable for folks. And I have seen that being open three weeks here. Some of the patients that I thought would never follow me here, are here mm-hmm. because they believe in the care that we give, the time that they're going to receive, the access that they get, 
Um, and mm-hmm. so there's value in that payment. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I think that this is just, you know, going to snowboard, uh, snowball, excuse me, into um, understanding that this is a better model. Look, I sat down with Blue Cross Blue Shield in our local city government because we were working with them to come up with an idea for us to pilot a program with Blue Cross Blue Shield so that we could all make this work. And I looked at the Blue Cross Blue Shield rep and I said, look, I'm accessible to the patient 24-7. I'm going to save you, your company, a lot of money because I'm going to meet my your patient in, on a Saturday morning to, to stitch them up if they've cut themselves, um, if they're concerned that they have pneumonia and it's uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. I can take that phone call. I can go to the office and see them. Um, and so I challenged Blue Cross in Blue Shield to be innovative in writing a policy around direct primary mm-hmm. care. Why not allow patients that have Blue Cross and Blue Shield that are a member of our practice, why not use the dollars that they're paying in that membership and apply it to their deductible? Because we're saving um, your company a lot of money providing this type mm-hmm. of care. And why not give them a stipend per month as part of their benefit to join a direct primary care model? So I'm hopeful that some of that is going to, um, you know, be able to uh, be produced to to for them to write an innovative policy um, so that we're not all butting heads, but we're all working together to fix this healthcare problem. Right. And back to my point is you're exactly right. I think that as long as we can find a way to, you know, make sure that everyone can work together and still win, then that's the best way to negotiate. And this is Dr. Robert Steves, and we're going to take a little break, and we'll be right back with the Ask Dr. Tommy Show. Surgery Center of Oklahoma is breaking away from traditional healthcare business models to deliver high-quality care at affordable prices. Doctors Keith Smith and Stephen Lantier teamed up 16 years ago. They left a large metro health system to live their dream providing patients quality care at a reasonable price. To find surgery pricing and to learn more about our specialists, visit surgerycenterok.com. Thank you for joining us back. This is the Ask Dr. Tommy Show, and I'm pleased to have Dr. Robert Steves on with me. And uh, Dr. Steves has a new practice. And tell us, how's it been going since you've been uh, We have um, enrolled uh, close to 280 members in, in three weeks, um, which we feel very blessed uh, to do and to be servicing patients. Um, you know, there's when you step out and you do this type of model, you know, everyone's asking, well, what do I do with my insurance? And so we've held uh, town hall meetings and um, uh, one-on-one meetings here in the practice to try to um, help patients understand how we're different, um, how we can provide affordable health care again. And, um, you know, it's just been a tremendous response as far as membership here in the first month of, of practice. Was that a, what was your expectation? Uh, Did you yeah, have one? We, you know, we had some feelers out. We had social media. Um, mm-hmm. And we had our uh, like a town hall um, type page set up on Facebook. And what we did mm-hmm. is just kind of put some pre-enrollment people that would be interested. And we had 650 folks that kind of pre-enrolled uh, with the right. practice. So I expected uh, a certain percentage um, to come through. 
Um, and mm-hmm. I've been, that's about, so, yeah, half. so I'm, you know, at 50% and can, you know, the medical records continue to roll into the office. We have stacks of them here. So I, you know, anticipate even more enrollment, um, as we move out. Interestingly enough, uh, employer groups are coming, you know, to meet with us because they want this as a benefit for their employees, um, which is a, a wonderful thing. And what we do with our corporate, um, uh, membership is we actually have a virtual wellness platform that we can use um, that can support uh, the employees uh, with uh, nutrition support, an exercise specialist. Um, they can track all of their wearable devices and upload that onto them and really generate a wellness uh, program and a wellness um, um, goals uh, can be set. And so um, that's a win-win for everybody, the patient, the employer. Um, and so we've been excited um, about the corporate memberships that are showing interest in the practice as well. Well, that, that begs a the question. Then what are the rest of the people in Lebanon, Tennessee, going to do when you're full pretty soon, it sounds yeah, like? So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're going to have to find a new doctor. You're going to have to hire somebody. Yeah, like. well, my idea is to grow the practice. Uh, mm-hmm. Look, and I'm, all, I'm doing this for the patients first, but... Let's talk about another a fact. We have a national primary care shortage in this country, and yeah. we have less than 4% of medical students um, going into family practice. Um, and mm-hmm. primary care is the base of healthcare in this country. What I'm doing is mm-hmm. I want to build the practice so that this looks attractable to young students that are in medical school. You know, what happens nowadays is they go and they do their family practice rotation, and what do they see? They see an angry doctor who, hate, who mm-hmm. hates his job. They see a very tired, tired doctor, doctor <laughs> hired staff that are burnt out. And what do they say? I will never go into this field, so I'm going to pick something completely different. Um, That's what yeah, I said. You know, so we want to make the, the we want to make our profession attractable again. So when I get up to um, a certain number of patients, um, you know, I'm going to be thinking about bringing on a partner physician, uh, maybe a physician assistant. You know, we haven't really looked how we're going to grow it, but I want to grow the concept and grow direct primary care in our area um, to make it both, um, you know, attractive for the patients in the area and in the medical professionals. Yeah, I think you, you know, for wherever you're at or for whatever reason, it sounds like you have landed or you are in a place where people really do get it because that's in a tremendous, uh, I follow a lot of the yep. direct care you know, postings and things. That is a tremendous response. Yep. And the fact that the employers are coming to you versus you going to the employers right. also shows that they get yep. it. And that's that's yep. great. And I'm, I'm very happy Thank for you. you and happy for your patients. Yeah, I me mean, too. And I know how much it matters to them. I know how much it matters to ours. Uh, tell us a little bit about your personal life. Where uh, you have family? Mm-hmm. You have, what do you like to do on your free time? That type of thing. Yeah, I have a. Uh, we have a large family. Uh, we have seven children, um, six boys and and one girl. Um, Boy, a lot of testosterone. Yeah, <laughs> testosterone is right. Uh, my wife is a. Uh, she's a registered nurse, and uh, I pulled her out of retirement uh, when we got fired and started this practice. So she's our uh-huh. chief operations officer and manages um, the accounts and getting people enrolled. And then um, my nurse, Amy, um, who I've worked with since I was out of residency, uh, when we uh, worked together up in 
New York, and I told her I was uh, relocating to the Nashville area. She said, well, I'm going with you. Oh, so wow. she, uh, her and her husband and the kids, uh, they moved down here um, to help us get um, situated down here in Tennessee. So That's it is great. working. It's, you know, it's nice to be able to work with with family uh, as we take care of families. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm from a blue collar family. Um, my dad taught me the ethic of hard work and do one to others as you, you know, have done unto you. And that's just carried on uh, in my professional career. And uh, I was the first to go to, to college in my family. And uh, I worked very hard uh, to um, support my, my own kids. Well, I was an undergraduate in medical school and residency. And so I understand hard work and what it takes. And I still believe that, um, you know, that if you work hard in this country, you're, you're, you're rewarded for that. And I want to preserve that. And I want, you know, folks to know that we work hard and, and we have their best interest in mind. As far as, as far as hobbies, um, I love to play golf. Uh, uh-huh. If I could do it all day and do it professionally. <laughs> what are the greens like there now? In uh, they're green. Um, oh. So we have uh, Bermuda, uh, Bermuda grass um, here, and there's, it's just starting to green up. Uh, but you can play all year, all year long for the most part. Uh, we were surprised this winter with uh, 10 inches of snow, which is, you know, an apocalypse here. Yeah. Oh, is it? I know some parts of Tennessee, it does get yeah. snowy yeah. up there, but 10 inches is probably yeah. a lot. So for middle Tennessee, that was a lot of snow, but, uh, we're getting in the swing of the, you know, spring golf game and all my boys play. And, uh, how old are your boys? I, my oldest is 17 and the youngest uh-huh. will be three in, uh, August. So, okay. And then your daughter is how old? Daughter just turned six. Okay. Oh, right in the yep. middle. She's going to probably be the, one of the toughest girls in the history yeah. of, uh, of the world. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Um, you said your father was blue collar. What is he, What was his uh, occupation? He worked for our local township uh, up in upstate New York. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, um, you know, he would be the guy that would be plowing the roads uh, in the wintertime or, uh, you know, putting Tarvia down in, in the summer. Um, didn't make a whole lot of money. Um, but you know, when there was a snowstorm and they called him at two in the morning, he was up and at him. Um, and I don't ever remember the guy missing a day at work. And, um, so he just, that, that just stuck with me, you know, growing up. What'd you do before you went to college? Did you work? Yeah, I worked. Uh, I had, uh, several jobs. I started, uh, 13 years old with a paper route. Um, then I worked in our local grocery store, uh, from there, um, I worked at uh, Budget Rent-A-Car for a little bit. Um, I laid some Tarvia during summer times. And under, What's that? Uh, so that's like um, putting the, the uh, blacktop on, uh, on roads, oh, okay. on, on driveways. So I did that for a summer. And then uh, when I got married, I actually uh, became a medical receptionist because I just wanted to be in the, the medical office. I loved it so much. I wanted to be around patients and around uh, physicians and learn how the whole thing worked. Um, and then when I went on to medical school during breaks from medical school, I would work in our medical laboratory up in, in Syracuse. Um, and then of course, uh, became a physician. When did you decide that you wanted to be a physician or kind of get the idea? I was seven years old. Uh, okay. So I remember telling my, uh, my biology teacher, 
uh, at the time, some, some science class, and I said, I, I want to be a doctor. And she said, what mm-hmm. type of doctor do you want to be? I said, I want to be a family doctor. And mm-hmm. um, at the time, my grandmother was passing from a, a very rare cancer called leiomyosarcoma. Uh, she mm-hmm. was 52 years old. And I remember going to visit her at the hospital. And I didn't realize that was going to be my last visit with her. But I remember her physicians, um, you know, just kind of standing around the bedside. And I remember them telling my parents that, you know, there's nothing more we can do for, uh, for your mother. And, um, I just, it it just struck a chord with me thinking, you know, I want to be able to help somebody more than these doctors seem to be helping. It was very cold. It was just callous. And, um, you know, so I said, I, I I just, I want to be a doctor and I'm going to do a better job that, you know, at this, than, than what I had witnessed there. So, and that's kind of what I've been known for, you know, is, is the compassion, the empathy um, that that I have for folks. If I have to deliver bad news, you know, I typically bring everybody in. I, I bring the family in, and, and we spend as much time um, as we need to. I, I cry with my patients, um, you know, they're, because I treat them like family. They're like my mm-hmm. family. Um, and I think people just really appreciate that side, that side of me. Well, that's a very, you know, that's, that's a very inspirational story. And I think as far as anybody, you deserve the success that you've got and you obviously have worked to get the success you've got. And I am very happy for you. And like I said, happy for your patients because, uh, like I said, you have all, you're practicing for all the right reasons in my opinion. And, and no matter what they say about, you know, you're not, you don't take insurance. You're not, you're not playing the game, right. You know, we're playing the game for our patients and the way we do medicine. That's what I think. And I know you think the same way. And, um, uh, best of luck to you. I'm gonna let you get back. I know you have a very busy day and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. And, uh, um, if there's any way to your, tell us your website, if people are interested in learning more about your, uh, sure. It's uh, www.thetowndr.com. Dr. Steves, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dr. McElroy. And uh, to all of you out there for listening, thank you for joining us. And be sure to follow us on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. And then also uh, make sure uh, to follow us on uh, AskDrTommy.com. And now we're also on iTunes, so you can download Ask Dr. Tommy Show on iTunes. And until next time, bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. For more show news and information, go to AskDrTommy.com. And be sure to follow Dr. Tommy on Facebook at Echelon Health and on Twitter at Tampa Direct Care. To learn more about Echelon Health Concierge Medicine Practice, visit Echelon Health online at tampadirectcare.com.